Good morning. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. Going to do it in a little bit different way than I've done before, so it does has made me a little bit nervous. Um, we're going to talk about joy. Joy, a fruit of the Spirit. Joy, a gift of God. Joy that comes from a relationship with our God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Y'all may or may not have seen these bookmarks that were out on the table. If you didn't get one, I encourage you to do so. As I was preparing for this, I went through a ton of scripture. Uh, in fact, I probably got enough stuff to do two or three sermons. And the problem was getting it down uh, to, to where it would fit into just the confines this morning. And the thing of it is, I may make it too short. You all know me, that probably won't happen. Uh, but anyway, these are just some, some of the scriptures that I went through getting ready for this. I know some of you may or may not have a concordance. Um, there were some of these that really meant a lot to me when I looked at it. And I thought about asterisking them so you would know which ones really meant most to me. And I said, no, that's not right. What means the most to me might not mean the most to you. So I challenge you to take this and use the scripture. But when you use the scripture, don't just read the scripture site. Look at the context that is in. Always, not, not just for these, but always when you're doing your Bible study, look at the context. What is around it? Why is it being talked about? Why is it being said? And what does it mean in this matter? In these ways, you can get the real feel for what God's scripture is saying to you. And listen to what other people have to say. But you take the time, you take the time to meditate on it, to pray on it, and to see how it affects your lives. The reason I wanted to talk about joy today is because I believe that so many Christians, I'm not going to say they've lost the joy of their salvation, though some people have lost the joy of their salvation, but a lot of us Christians have not experienced the joy of our salvation in the way that God wants us to. And that is so important. Uh, it, it's everything. God wants us to have a relationship with you. This is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, fathers. So we, we thank you for everything that you've done. But we have a heavenly father. But how many of y'all had the joy of getting to know your father when you were growing up and having him be an example with you and teach you things that you need to know. Well, we forget the fact that we've got a heavenly father and that heavenly father wants us to have a daily relationship with him. In fact, people get confused about what happiness is and what joy is. Happiness is determined by circumstances. I was all happy back in the late 80s and 90s when my Washington Redskins were winning Super Bowl at the Super Bowl. 
Uh, now, not so much. <laughs> I was real happy when the Washington Nationals won the World Series. I don't know if y'all following baseball, but this year, absolutely not so much. I mean, it, it is terrible. But that's about things that are going on around us and being governed by it. But joy comes from inside us. And this is my definition. It's not anybody else's definition, but it's the one that speaks to me. And joy is a result of my daily, vibrant, growing relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Is your, your joy is going to depend on it. Where are you in that? Uh, God wants us to get to know him. He knows us, but he wants us to get to know him and to experience the joy that he has. There was a skit I saw years ago, and it just speaks to me about the way some of us do. Now, it can be either a woman or a man, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to make it a woman. Uh, but there is a woman who is trudging across the stage, all bent over, carrying a sack with a face of woe and everything else on her. Jesus comes from the other side and he takes that sack and he dumps it out. And coming out is sin, despair, anger, anger malice, anything, all the just sins that you have ever thought about and that you might experience and everything else. And he lifts her up and her face is suffused with joy. And Jesus walks away and she starts to walk away and then she looks back and she goes back and one by one puts everything back in her sack. Stop and think about that for a minute. Sometimes that's what we do. God has relieved us of the baggage of our sins, but we're not really ready to accept it. We need to be willing to accept the fact that God has forgiven us. And we need to leave all that other stuff away and go on. Another one I did, this was not a skit. This was, uh, I used to do children's sermons at times. And if you want to know how joy is really expressed, took a glass, uh, if I remember right, put baking soda in it, vinegar and everything else, and I had love, joy, peace, all different things written on it in foam, and poured the vinegar into the solution. And guess what happened? It bubbled up. It overflowed. It came out. I had to have a tray ready for it so that it, it, it would contain it all. If you really got joy, it's going to bubble up and come out of you. You cannot, will not be able to hide it if you really have the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, God wants every one of us to have that joy in our lives, every day of our lives. That doesn't mean things aren't going to go wrong. They are, but God's going to be there with you. Uh, I was challenged to do something today that really had to think about. 
almost didn't do, but I'm going to do it. A lot of you, some of y'all don't know me. So I was challenged to do my testimony. So I'm going to do my testimony, but it's going to be in a way that's a little bit different from the way that I would normally do it. You'll see, you'll see why in a minute. Uh, I first came to a knowledge of God probably when I was about seven or eight. This is what I can remember. I probably have some others uh, before that. But I remember when I was seven or eight, I got a hold of the Classics Illustrated. How many of y'all remember those? Any of y'all ever read those? Classics Illustrated, it was the greatest story ever told. And I remember reading that, and I'm going to tell you something. God got a hold of me through that Classics Illustrated. And I knew right then, because I can still remember, hey, when I die, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But was I saved at that point in time? No, I, had, I, didn't, I didn't know how to go about being saved and everything else. But I started thinking about things of God. I, I was raised in a family with, uh, my mother was a backslidden Methodist. My dad was an agnostic. He, he said, if you can prove it to me, uh, you know, I'll believe it. But unless you can prove it to me, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to fast forward right here to one thing. I was considered the black sheep of the family because I did go to church occasionally and, and stuff like that. And witnessed over the years to my father. I didn't think he was ever going to be saved, but praise God. Some 80 years later, it, it wasn't me. It was a past interim pastor that we had here at the time. Uh, when he was, he was in the uh, nursing home, came in and led him to Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a joyful thing. I remember coming in the day and my dad saying to me, well, y'all going to hear my nickname, Bobby, I signed up today. Uh, he, he was in the Navy. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I know most everybody here is already a Christian today. And so this message is being preached uh, along those lines too. But if there's somebody that's not here today, what a perfect opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And every one of y'all is supposed to be a witness in carrying the message of salvation in and to this world and serving them. And that's one of the ways you're going to serve the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But anyway, I was saved uh, when I was a junior in uh, in junior high school. I was probably about 13. It was over at Pine Chapel Baptist Church. Uh, and I remember Reverend Gill, you, you, don't, you don't forget the name of the uh, preacher who, le who led you to Christ. He came over, uh, to the inner, uh, over into the youth building and he, he witnessed to the entire group right there. And I remember right then, I was saved when he was doing that. And you don't forget that moment either. And then I couldn't wait for the end of the service so that I could go up. You know, you hear a lot, and, and I've been that way too, you hear a lot of people saying, to grab on, uh, you know, to keep from going out. But I'm going to tell you, when the call to salvation comes, please take it, because that begins your walk with Christ. So 
got married. By the way, my wife chased me. I, I say this, and people do not believe me, but basically, I am a very shy guy. But there have been some changes made. Um, I was especially shy with women. I mean, I probably dated maybe three or four, but Priscilla, for some untold reason, decided I was the one for her, and she, uh, she went after me. I remember I was just giving her a ride uh, to a Halloween party uh, over at the church, and we got over there. I had dated once this girl that had left the area, and Carlton Moore said, come over. I've got, there's a message from Ann in this letter. And Priscilla said, if you go over there, we're through. And I said, through? I didn't even know we'd started. <laughs> and I told that story years later, and she said, well, you didn't go over there, did you? <laughs> but a point I wanted to make with that is Priscilla sought me out. And I'm going to tell you, folks, God seeks you out. He seeks out everyone. He wants us all to be saved. Well, to, to get into the point where I, I think relates to the message today, got married, had four children, now got eight grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. So, excuse me, nine grandchildren, six grand, great-grandchildren. What a joy, what a blessing in my life. But there have been troubles along the way. God does not promise us uh, that, that we're going to have a bed of roses and that everything is going to be okay. Um, from an early age, I had started having kidney troubles. I wound up having major surgery when I was about 27. And was I ready for it? No, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, nervous wreck, but God lifted me up. Um, God carried me through it. We almost lost my daughter Pam uh, to a tonsillectomy. She wound up having 22 pints of blood, and we were really worried about whether or not she was going to, uh, whether she was going to die or not. And I remember when they told us that a specialist was coming in, and, and we were going, and we were, and we were worried all to death about that. I remember when they sent us home for a, about an hour. First thing I did, thank goodness I had the sense enough to do this. I got on the phone to a lady, not even in my church, not even in my faith, but a real prayer warrior. And I got her and others to be praying. Came back, his old Hampton General, when it was over on Victoria Boulevard, we got down to the bottom of the stairs before, as we're coming at the entrance to the hospital. And all of a sudden, God let me know, Pam's going to be okay. And I told Priscilla, and she, she figured it was just like a husband would do, trying to console you. No, no, no. I, well, I understand. And I said, no, you don't understand. God just let me know that Pam was going to be okay. We walked upstairs, um, then went, uh, got up there. Excuse me, I said walked upstairs. We actually took the elevator and had to wait a while for it. As we came off the elevator, we saw two doctors walking down the hall, smiling from ear to ear. 
the bleeding just stopped. And the way I figured it, that was right about the time that God told me everything was going to be okay. I'm going to tell y'all, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, we need to do that. We need to shout for joy. But uh, not many people know this. Some people know it. We were in a house fire. Um, the unit next to us over here on Randallette Drive. I don't know if any of y'all know this. It was back when my family was young. Um, woke up. It was December 7th, Sunday morning. Um, and uh, we woke up uh, hearing all kinds of commotion and everything else. And went in. Then the unit was on fire and everything else. I went in there to try to see if anything I could do, and I couldn't get my fire signature to work. And I thought later on that maybe the reason I couldn't get it to work was because God was saving my life, because I was later told that it wouldn't have done any good. And literally, seconds after I walked out of the unit, it flashed over, wall to wall, sealing the uh, floor. Uh, two people were killed, a baby and uh, uh, a, a baby and a guy that went in before me trying to, trying to save her. Traumatic experience, especially right before Christmas. But I remember the love and joy of other people. God held on to me. My family was there and rallied behind me. God was there. We lost everything that we had gotten for Christmas. But a friend, a friend of mine, I'm not even going to say it's necessarily a friend, an acquaintance, went out of his way to go over uh, in the Norfolk and Virginia Beach, there was some toy that was real popular at that time, and we couldn't find it. They were all gone over here. But he went out and he found it. Folks, that's the way you minister. That's the way you help people as you go through life. Uh, as y'all know, I've uh, faced the death of my wife in the last year and a half, and literally six months after that, uh, I started developing heart problems. Uh, last year in, in September and October, uh, I was probably really close to death. I, I don't know. I found out that my valve was gone bad, and I got to the point where if I got out of the car and walked to walk into the building, halfway across the parking lot, I had to stop and catch my breath. But I'm going to tell you something. Even with that, God was with me and lifted me up. And I remember thinking, hey, if it's my time, it's my time. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going, and it's going to be with God in heaven. The other thing in there that I almost didn't talk about, but I will. Sometimes you are stupid. Sometimes I'm stupid. Um, I was in a business, and I trusted a friend and made some bad mistakes on my part. And... We lost everything, went bankrupt. I'm 40 years old and starting all over again. I am going to tell you something. You have some wild emotional swings up and down when that happens. But I'm going to tell you what is so important is if you know God, if you have a relationship with him, he will hang on to you and he will lift you up and he will carry you. One of this... Uh, one of the scriptures that I really love is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you stop and think about that? You read it and we love it. But do we stop and think about what that scripture is saying? God's with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's going to be with me. And he's going to be with me all the way to the end. How many of y'all ever went to training union? We're showing our age. Virginia. Nobody even knows what it is anymore. But this was back in the 60s. Uh, young, and, and you know how young people are. We like to challenge everything. One of the best teachers I ever had in my life was Geneva Roberts. And uh, we were having training union one night. We were talking about the second coming and looking forward to when we go to meet the Lord. And I can't remember who it was that asked her. It might have even been me. I don't know. Um, it said, well, what are you, are you looking forward to it? Uh, you know, do you believe what, what you're saying? And she said, I am looking forward to it. I'm just not looking to take the next bus out. And I thought that was the perfect answer. We're supposed to live our lives looking forward to the day that we're going to be united with God and to know that that's going to happen. But God wants us to be alive in this life right now and a part of what's going on and to enjoy it as long as we have it. I remember Dwight L. Moody, I think it was him, if I'm quoting wrong, please forgive me, uh, but Dwight L. Moody was asked, if you knew absolutely that God was coming tomorrow, what would you do today? And he said, plant a tree. And, and first of all, none of us know when God's going to come. That's in God's hands. Anytime I have a preacher or a theologian start telling me uh, that they haven't figured out when he's coming, I tune him right out. If I'm listening to the TV, it goes off or to another, to another channel because we cannot know. Jesus told us only the Father knows. But I do, know who, I do know who holds it. He is coming. He is coming, and he's going to take us all home. And we can be extremely joyful about that. Well, in getting ready for this, when I was looking at all this scripture, joy literally exploded off the pages of the Bible for me. And I, I don't, that realization hit me, I don't know, about halfway through it. And I was thinking about it. Think about what's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I challenge you to go into any part of the Bible and not find the joy of the Lord. Now, it may not be listed explicitly as that, but it's there if you're open to it. And why do, what do I mean when it explodes off the page? Stop and think about it. Creation. We say God created the earth. Man, that ain't right. God created the earth. He made everything. Just think about it. He spoke it into existence. How many of you could even think about doing that? 
I don't care how many scientists we got and what kind of test tubes they got or anything else, but God created the earth and he put us in it to enjoy it and have a relationship with him. And what did we do right away? We messed it up. We messed it up. But right from the beginning, God had a plan called for the Messiah to restore that relationship to it. And we're getting ready to get to the focus scripture in a minute. And I look at that as exploding off the page too. And y'all are going to say, what in the world are we doing? Luke 2, 8, uh, that's, the, that's the Christmas story. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's where it begins, folks. It began with creation and then it comes to fruition in the New Testament uh, in, in Luke 2, 8. I just want to read it to you. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that's not exploded, I, want, I wanted you to imagine. You maybe don't have sheep, but how many of y'all have been out in the country in, at night? No lights around you or anything else. And I mean, it's dark and everything else. Maybe you're sitting around the campfire. I, I don't know. But all of a sudden, the sky is full of angels who are telling you, that the Savior, and, and when it talks about the glory of the Lord, I can't even begin to imagine it, what, what it was like to them right then. But it was a light shining in those shepherds' heart and in the hearts of each and every one of us. And I was supposed to do the outline before I got started here, but I got carried away. So we're going to go back and hit the outline that we're going to be looking at here in just a second. A joyful relationship with God is formed by three parts. One, salvation and forgiveness. Boy, I'm going to tell you that's important. That's everything. And it begins our walk with God. But that's not just enough if you're going to lead a joyful life. You've been saved. Now what? you begin your walk, growing walk with God. How do you do that? We're going to talk about that. You do it in prayer. You do it in meditation. Uh, you do it in the study of God's word. And then if you're really going to have a joyful life, it's not just enough to have that relationship with God. We need to express it. We need to thank God, praise God. We, we don't do that enough. 
We don't thank God. We don't praise God. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, he's done everything for us. I am a sinful person. Did I deserve to be saved? Absolutely not. And y'all may be saying, well, I didn't deserve to be saved. And I'm going to tell you, you're absolutely right. None of us deserve to be saved. But I'm going to tell you, God loved us anyway. And he sent his only begotten son that we could have the way to come to salvation. And I'm going to tell you, if that's not something to make your heart sing for joy, I don't know what it is. Let me tell you something. All the stuff that's happened to me in my life, I'm not unusual. Everybody's had things go wrong. If you haven't had things go wrong, they are going to go wrong. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, God's going to be right there through all of it. And I'm not going to tell you you're going to be happy about some of the stuff that happens because you're absolutely not. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to be in the valley at times. You absolutely are. But you don't stay there. You don't stay there. You hold on to God. You let God hold on to you. Well, that's what begins out there in that field with the shepherds and everything else. God saying, I've got news for you of great joy. And that is something we so many times forget that we've got news of great joy. And God gave it to me. Didn't deserve it, but he gave it to me. And he gave it to all of y'all. Y'all didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you. And he doesn't want you to be silent about it. He wants you to thank him for it. And he wants you out there telling people. One, one of the happiest moments of my life. No, I can't. I take that back. One of the most joyful moments of my life was the joy of leading my four children one night to Christ. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that compares to that. That is a wonderful thing. And to have the opportunity to pray for it. Well, you say, why talk about Christmas? Because that's where it begins. It begins at Christmas for us Christians in the restoration of the fellowship that we have with God. So what are we talking about? All right, if I'm going to have a relationship with God, it's going to begin with what? It's going to begin with my salvation, with your salvation, with the salvation of your family, your friends, and everything else. Um, for John 3, 16 through 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Did you stop and think about that? You're not going to perish. You're going to have eternal life. You're going to get, when, when this life is over, um, hey, I've got maybe another year, two, 10 or 15, whatever it goes, or whatever God grants me. But whatever it is, it's not over when it's over. That's the thing I want to say. And if that's not some reason to be joyful, I don't know what it is. I'm going to get to go to be with God in glory. And so are each and every one of you if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved 
through him. And then this one I just absolutely love. The 72, the, the disciples and others have been sent out to go and minister through, throughout the nation of Israel. And they came back all joyful. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to thread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. And so many times we rejoice in the things that are happening in the world. And that's okay. But don't forget to rejoice in the thing that's important. He says, rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. My name is written in heaven. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, your name is written in heaven. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name will be written in heaven. And I am going to tell you something. That's something more to rejoice about than anything else I can think of. And that is the source of our joy and the fact that nothing can go wrong because God's got it all and it's in his control. And Peter said to them, repent, Acts 2, 20, 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and you not only get for eternal life, but you get forgiveness. And I don't deserve to have my sins forgiven, but God has forgiven them. But so many times I chastise myself. I'm not willing to forgive myself even though God has. And that cripples me in my witness, in my ministry. And sometimes these things cripple you or something else may cripple you in your ministry. Uh, Zig Ziglar, past vice president of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention, talked about a loser's limp. And, and he says, you need to get rid of it. And uh, uh, I would just challenge you. I don't know what your loser's limp. If, if you have one, maybe you don't. Uh, but I've had them. Uh, very insecure. Nobody want, needs to hear what I want to have to say. All kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, you cannot believe the first time I, was, uh, I spoke uh, had a sermon from the pulpit. In fact, what led to it? One of the highlights, and we all have them, and I, I don't know what yours is, but I'll give you one of mine. I'm sitting in the choir law at Pine Chapel Baptist Church. I'm, I'm probably, if I remember right, I was around 40. <clears throat> in the men's row, of course, nobody in back of us. There was a void in back of us. And the preacher was preaching on Jonah. And he was all hung up on the whale and, and everything else. First of all, it wasn't a whale. It was a great fish that God prepared. But... That's what he was hung on. And I remember thinking, that's not, that's not what this passage is about. I said, this passage 
<clears throat> is about man running from God and being disobedient, not being willing to listen. <clears throat> and I said, somebody needs to preach it that way. And I'm going to tell you from in back of me, in a voice that made me turn around because I said, who in the world is that? Well, why don't you? And I'm going to tell you, that was God. That was God. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I looked all around to see if anybody was around there. And I had to come to the, come to the conclusion that God was speaking to me and he wanted me to preach on Jonah. Well, it took me five years to do it, but the first sermon I ever preached was on Jonah. And I was so glad to have a pulpit because, first of all, my knees were knocking and y'all couldn't have seen it. I would not, let me tell you, that day I was not out from behind the pulpit. <laughs> uh, not only was I grateful to have that pulpit to hide my knees from knocking, but I was grateful to have that pulpit to hang on to. But somewhere in the sermon, God got a hold of me and got, things got all right. And I want to tell you, when you get challenged to do something that you've never done before, don't just say no. If God wants you to do it, he'll give you the strength to do it. Now, you may have to learn. I'm not going to say you might not mess up, but guess what? People ain't going to remember it, and you're going to get the chance to grow. Julia, the first choir director that I can remember was Carolyn Taylor. We're, I'm just married and everything else, and, and she was a great lady. And we're out in the hallway getting ready to go into the choir loft. I'm talking about we literally got about two minutes to service time. She walks up to me and hands me the poem, The Master's Touch. And she says, Robert, I want you to read this this morning. I'll let you know when. I am going to tell you I panicked. I mean, I, at this time, I had never spoken public. But I got up there, and God got a hold of me. And I, I went after her after the service was over. I said, Carolyn, I said, why in the world did you do that to me? And she said, I knew if I had asked you during the week, you would have told me no, and I knew you could do it. I am going to tell you, God knows you can do things, and people around you know that you can do things, and you can do anything that God wants you to do. And boy, that's where joy comes from, trusting him as, as, as you do that. All right, so with salvation, we're saved. Uh, I want to now talk about the joy of walking with God. This is the part that we leave out so many times. Uh, we, we don't really, we, we're saved, and I believe once saved, always saved. But I am supposed to grow as a Christian. You are supposed to grow as a Christian. You're supposed to walk with God. How do you walk with God? You walk with God by praying, getting to know Him. You walk with God by knowing His Word. 
by studying his work. I am going to tell you, you cannot put your Bible under your pillow and it come to you through osmosis while you're asleep. There's no substitute for getting in there and knowing God's work. Well, my preacher knows it. What if your preacher got it wrong? My Sunday school teacher knows it. What if he got it wrong? I need to know it because it's going to be with me as I go through my life and it's going to be with you as you go through your life. It says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Very second gift is joy. And God wants us to have it. And we get it by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and having the Holy Spirit to come and live with us and then to develop it. I've told my Sunday school classes before that when I was younger, I was muscle bound. I was bound to have muscles someday. Sorry joke, but here's the thing. Unless you are one of those fortunate few who were born genetically strong, the only way you're going to get strong is if you work out. If I've, God gives you the muscles. God gives you the talent, the abilities, and everything else. They're a gift from him, but you have to develop it. You have to work at it. You have to believe. You have to trust. So many times we say, I believe, and then, but I but I don't. I pull back. It's just like the guy said uh, in, the, in the New Testament, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And I would say, believe, and then pray to God to help your unbelief. But in Jeremiah 15, 16, this is one that I really love. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I called you by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. God gives us his revelation in the Bible. He gives us what we need in the Old and the New Testament. I hope you all realize that I've been using scriptures from both the Old and the New Testament. There are tremendous truths in the Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you, the entire Old Testament points to the New Testament and the coming of Jesus. You need to believe it. You need to study it. And then you need to believe this. In Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. In here right now, God is in our midst. And I am going to tell you something. Listen to what it says. He's going to quiet you by his love. Never forget that you are loved by God. He will exult over you. You ever stop to think about that? God exults over you and the relationship that you have with him. Uh, it's, it's, it's just tremendous. And he has loud singing for us. But all, in Psalm 511, it says, but let, let all take refuge in you, rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. 
let me go back. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let all those who take refuge in you rejoice. I hope you take refuge in God. Let them say ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love you, your name may exult in you. God is wanting to spread his protection over you. And he does, but he wants you to realize it. He wants you to know it's happening. It has happened, is happening now, and will happen in the future. That's all coming from learning uh, to, to walk with God. He'll keep you from stumbling, as it tells us in Jude 2, 4. And then Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray for your father. Pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, that is not to say there's not a place for public prayer. Because there absolutely is. But that is saying there is a place for private prayer between you and God. He wants you to come and talk to him. He wants you to get to know him. He wants you to love him. He wants you to praise him. He wants you to thank him for what you've done. Are you doing it? I'm going to tell you, that's one of the things we as Christians today do not do enough. And that is praise God and thank him for what he has done in your life and in the lives of all the others. God does not want us sitting on the sidelines. He wants us out there being active for him. He wants us to have an active life, prayer life, and time of Bible study with him. And he wants us out there doing. And then Romans 8, 26, but Robert, I don't know how to pray. That is absolutely no excuse because it tells us in Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I may not know how to express my thoughts. I may not know how to do everything, but God knows. I told you what Carolyn Taylor did to me. Um, the preacher that married me was R.C. Sharon. People don't, preachers don't do this today, but every Sunday he would call on somebody in the congregation to lead the morning prayer. And I remember the first time that happened to me. He said, and now Brother Robert Young is going to lead us to the throne of grace. I don't know where I led him that morning, but it wasn't to the throne of grace. I remember saying, our Father, and amen, and I have no idea what remembers of what I said between. But I'm going to tell you, I trust the fact that God says he's going to take control of you and even when you don't know the right words to say, he'll do them for you. He'll get it across to God. He'll get it across to y'all. Because when we pray and we're listening to the preacher, 
I hope we're all praying ourselves and, 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 and thanking and, and striving to deepen that relationship with God. So many times we don't do that. But anyway, uh, they, they say, well, you we don't know how to pray. And he says, well, then pray like this in Matthew 9 to 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I'm going to tell you, we all say that's the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and that's the beginning place. That tells you the things you need to be praying for. You need to be thanking God. You need to be praising God. Uh, you need to be asking him to deal with you because it's saying, forgive me of my debts. But as I forgive others, did y'all stop and think about that? I'm going to be forgiven as I'm willing to forgive other people. That, that means I need, there needs to be changes in my life. Your prayer needs to go. It needs to have specifics. It needs to have names. But that will give you a way to pray. And it's a wonderful place to begin. And it's a wonderful place to go for the basics. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, the worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what that means is that I am... Preachers supposed to know the Bible. Preachers supposed to know the scriptures. Your Sunday school teacher needs to know the scripture. But so do you. I'm going to tell you, how are you going to know how to live your life? And how are you going to be joyful if you're not establishing that relationship and listening to the wonderful promises that God has for you? Uh, it, it, it's all there if we will take the time to study. And finally... I know y'all will wonder if this is ever going to come to an end. But finally, if you're going to be really joyful with Christ, you need to express your joy. You can't be quiet about it. You have to let God know. You have to let others know. You have to be in service. You need to be ministering. Whatever it is, God gives every one of us different talents, abilities, and everything else. I don't know what form your service will take to God, but I'm going to tell you God has got a place for each and every one of us. And you're not going to know joy to the full until you have made it right with him. In Psalms 27, 6, it says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent, say church, sacrifices, offerings with Shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the ways it comes out. We need to give back. And by the way, for those of y'all who can't carry a tune, hey, no excuse for you to be sing, singing on, on Sunday morning or anywhere else when we're doing this. Because another place in there says, enter my temple with shouts of joy. Make a joyful noise under the Lord. I don't care if you can carry a tune or not. You need to make a joyful noise unto God. 
Psalm 32, 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servants. The Lord is great. But did you catch that last part? He delights in the welfare of his servants. That's you, brothers and sisters. It's each and every one of us. He delights in us. So James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He wants us to be doers of the word. I need to be a hearer and each and every one of y'all need to be a hearer, but you also need to be a doer. As I said earlier, he doesn't want us sitting on the sidelines. Romans 14, 17 through 19 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Did you hear that? What makes for peace and harmony, not discord, and also upbuilding. Have you ever known anybody that tries to tear people down? That's not the way we as Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to build people up. And then, at the end as it is in the Matthew 25, 21. I hope to hear his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what we need. We need to be faithful in what God gives us, whether it's little or whether it's much. We need to be faithful of it. And then we're going to enter into his kingdom with his favor. So when you doubt, when you falter, and we are going to falter, we're going to mess up. When you're hurting, remember this hymn you probably learned as a child. And I'm going to challenge you to listen to what I have to say because we're going to sing it as soon as I get done reading it. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Would you all join me in that? That's one of the reasons I can have joy and you can have joy. God loves me. And how do I know? The Bible tells me so. So please sing with me. We're going to sing a cappella. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes.
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. In a moment, we're going to sing joy to the world. If God is calling, answer. That's, that, that's all I can say is answer. Try not to delay. Let him know that you're willing if he wants you to do something. If you're in need, please let us know so we can pray for you. If you would like to know more about our church, our elders would love to speak and pray with you. But in conclusion, I would like to give one final thought. We live in arguably the best nation on earth. But undeniably, the greatest kingdom in the universe. What a cause for joy. And I'm going to end the sermon with hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. And let us pray.